I, I actually want to talk to you about the subject unstuck. Do you ever feel like you've been in a rut? Do you ever feel like your marriage has been in a rut or stuck or your, your career, just your life in general? You know, athletes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the sound man wants me to bring it to an end. <laughs> that was the quickest sermon you'll ever hear. <laughs> and you're going, let's bring him back. You know, you look in at sports, um, athletes get in a slump, uh, get, in a, get in a rut. Um, people who are creative get in a creative rut. Those who are writers, I'm a writer, and at times I get in a right, I get writer's block, and I get in this rut, and nothing comes to me, and it's frustrating. It's not a great place to be in. But the problem in Christianity is, has been like, Church in general loves to get in a rut. Church in general loves to stay stuck. And we don't sometimes like to be challenged to get out of our rut. We like things the way we like things. Come on, somebody. And we like that with our relationships, too. And we actually like that with our life. And life is not supposed to be stuck in a rut at all. You got to keep moving forward. You have got to keep on pressing. Um, And it seems that we get paralyzed at times. And I kind of want to move us out of that in our thinking today and realize it's not God's plan. It's not God's will for any part of our life to be stuck in a rut. All right. I remember when we lived and pastored in Tennessee, we had five acres. And we had a riding mower, and uh, it was amazing that myself, my son, and my wife, we used to argue over who got to mow the grass. Think about that. And because it was just, man, I'd stick my earphones in, and it was peaceful, it was calming, it was, it was awesome, and I loved to do it. Well, one time, I won and got to mow the grass. And I wasn't prepared to... to uh, Experience what I experienced because I was riding along really good and all of a sudden I hit a hole and I stopped and I was trying to get myself out of that hole and I kept on digging what a bigger hole and so I was my tractor was stuck in a rut and you know I had to ask for help I actually my son came out we, he tried to push that wouldn't work but then a, a, a buddy down the street with his pickup truck came, and you know what he did. He tied it up, chained it up, and he pulled me out. Well, I'm here today to help pull you out of your rut, whether that's in your career, whether that's in your spiritual life, whether that's in your marriage or with your family. I'm here to help you get out. And it's easy to lose our place. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose our focus. And I found out that distractions and ruts and detours happen pretty much all the time. But before any of us really ever know it, we get stuck and then we don't know what to do. So here's how we're going to get out. Look at Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. Really common passage of scripture. 
And um, let's look what Paul says. We're going to go to Paul, then we're going to go to Jesus. Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. Stop right there. None of us are where we need to be. None of us are experts at this thing called life. We all have something we can still learn along the journey. Always be teachable in this life. That is the key to everything. Okay, so watch what he says. But I press on to take a hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to press on. You have to press on. Walt Disney said it like this. Around here, we don't look backwards very long. We keep moving forward, opening up new doors and doing new things. Folks, we all have areas in our lives where we are stuck. And that is what keeps us from fulfilling God's plan, God's purpose for our lives. Usually we want to blame everybody else, but it's really we are the ones that are stuck. So I want to share a story that Jesus shared in Mark chapter number 10. We'll read it and then I'm going to tell you the story. Mark chapter 10 verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was, be- was a- he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to him, uh, to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, there's a key right there. He jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, and said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I love that story because it's a story of transformation. It's a story of life change. It's a story that shows us none of us have to be content where our life is, no matter what the circumstance is. Here was something that Bartimaeus had that wasn't even his fault. He was blind, but yet he was desperate enough that he wanted change, that he wanted to get unstuck. A few years ago, well, many years ago, Bill Murray had a movie called Groundhog Day. You ever seen it? I love that movie. It's so funny. And he plays Phil Connors, who is a uh, TV uh, journalist. And Phil Connors is stuck. It's stuck in the same time and the same place every day. And he's forced to relive that same day 
over and over and over again. And really, thinking about it and watching that movie, that is a lot of us. Our life is like that. We get stuck and we live the same thing over and over and over. Now listen, some of us love that. Don't mess up our tradition. Don't mess up our flow. Oh man, we get all uptight when our schedule is interrupted or our flow is interrupted. Sometimes interruptions are good. Sometimes our life needs interrupted. Sometimes our marriage needs interrupted. Sometimes our careers need interrupted. Is that you? Are you Phil Connors? Are you stuck? Is everything still the same? Can I tell you that God is meant to be experienced and life is meant to be lived? I remember watching the movie uh, with my kids years ago, Tuck Everlasting. And uh, the young lady was considering drinking from the fountain of youth that would make her live on forever. And she was scared. And, and the father said to her, don't be afraid of dying. Because she was afraid of dying. She goes, don't be afraid of dying. Be afraid of the unlived life. The word rut actually is a figurative. It means a habit or it means a pattern of behavior that usually results in something that is dull and unproductive and very hard to change. We had a conversation with our, my 14-year-old son the other morning. He does not feel it was necessary to make his bed in the morning when he leaves for school. And I informed him that it is necessary and... and my, all, all my kids are witty and very smart and quick. And he began to de- go on a debate and inform me why it is completely fine for his bed to not be made and his pillows and things to be on the floor because, Dad, just think about it. In 12 hours, I'm going to be right back in it. And I said, well, son, this is not up to negotiation. This is not a democracy in this house. This is a dictatorship. And I command you that you will make your bed. I don't have time, Dad, in the morning. I said, oh, you will, because I will get you up one hour before you normally get up so you can break out of this rut of not making your bed. And he's like, no, that's not necessary. Do you see how some of us love our ruts and we make excuses why we want to keep our ruts and why we want to stay stuck and why we think everything should be exactly how it should always be and never change? We are comfortable with that. God is never committed to your comfort. He's committed to your progress and your advancement and your idea of moving forward. Okay, so how do we get out of this rut? How do we get unstuck? I'm glad you asked. Number one, we must take responsibility for our own lives. We live in a generation and a culture that that is uh, amongst the the millennials today. Let me just uh, just say they disagree with that. My generation wants to blame the generation before. We want to jump on 
Maury Povich or, or Oprah and talk about why it was everybody else's fault. But the truth of it is, nothing will shift in your life. Nothing will change in your life until you and I take responsibility for our own lives. Mark 10, 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, Bartimaeus was blind. It was a life problem. And he admitted that he was stuck. Excuses and blame are always the crutch of the uncommitted. Some things we can't control. But we can control our responses to what happens in our lives. Think, think about this. George Washington Carver said, 99% of failures come from people who have the habit of always making excuses. Excuses. Man, excuses, when my kids give me excuses, drives me crazy. When something goes wrong in our house and one of the kids did it, none of them admit it. They'll blame each other or they'll blame excuses, you know. Um, and, and so sometimes uh, it just drives you crazy. Think about Adam and Eve. What, did ha- what happened when God confronted Adam about Eve and her failure? He said, that, that woman. And what do we do today? Guys, that woman. Or gals, that guy. You know, we make these excuses and we blame. When you and I live our life with excuses, we will pay for it. Because excuses will justify all of us being stuck, staying where we are at. Luke chapter 14, 18 through 20 said it like this. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first that I have bought a field then I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try it out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. What was happening, they were being invited to a feast and they were giving excuses why they couldn't come. We need to make up our minds today that we're going to give up blaming. We're going to give up complaining and we're going to give up excuse making. Excuses always validate mediocrity. Remember that. Excuses always validate mediocrity. Halfway, not willing to go beyond average. Some of us settle for just average. But listen, mediocrity begins but never finishes. Mediocrity always procrastinates but never starts. And I found out Excuses are always the language of victims. If you can convince yourself through an excuse, then really you don't have to be responsible for your life. If you can convince yourself with an excuse, then you don't have to take responsibility. The more you and I take responsibility for our choices, for our actions, and for our happiness the more we will move forward, the more we will progress, the more we will get unstuck. Blaming, complaining, and whining always keeps us stuck in immaturity. 
You and I are not the victims here. We're not victims of our situations. We are meant to be more than conquerors. We are meant to be overcomers. The situations that we have have come up against us, we don't have to be bound by them. Can I tell you, you can change your outcome. No matter what kind of cards were dealt to you in this life. No matter what happened to you. Bartimaeus simply did this. He cried out. He didn't blame. He prayed. He took initiative. He spoke loud. Listen, sometimes you have to speak to yourself. Sometimes you got to talk yourself in to moving forward. You need to say, I can do this. I can get up today. I can make life happen. I don't have to take what life gives me. I can do all things through Christ. That's your responsibility. Saying and doing it is your responsibility. And then it says, Paul said, through Christ, which strengthens me. That's always God's response. If your action propels you to do something, God always matches it. You sow, you reap. You take a step forward, God takes a step forward. We, sometimes we just sit around and, well, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. If it's meant to happen, God will do something. No, God's waiting for you to move forward. Faith is not standing still. Faith is always taking a step We walk by faith. Walking is moving forward. We walk by faith and not by sight. So number two, this is how we get unstuck. In order to get where God wants us to be, we need need to completely leave the things that keep us stuck. We need to walk away from the things that keep us stuck. Mark 10, 50, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Some of us would have gone, I'm blind. I got my cloak on that the government gave me. The cloak was a thing that the government issued to identify Bartimaeus as someone that was blind and a beggar. So he carried his identity from whom the world said he was. That is a blind beggar. His circumstance will never change. His situation will never change because he was born blind. Because he couldn't help it. So he's just going to live this way for the rest of our lives. And that's how many of us think. We just thought this is the cards that were dealt to me. I'm just going to have to live with this the rest of my life. Can I tell you something? All things are possible. Bartimaeus believed he wouldn't walk away the same. Many of us would have done this. Well, can Jesus come to me? I'm blind. Can't you tell? And they would have said, yeah, but you got legs. No, we would have made excuses. Well, you know what? I don't want to lose my spot right here because in an hour there's more traffic and I get more money. Right? Right? He didn't make an excuse. He did exactly what was told to him. Okay. He wouldn't walk away the same. He believed that if I got up, if I obey, I will be different. 
But he had to leave and throw off that thing which identified him as a beggar, that identified him as blind. That thing, that cloak, that jacket, that coat that identified him as stuck. This victim mentality, this victim cope. We can't do the same thing expecting to get a different result. I love what the writer in Hebrews chapter 12 said. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Everyone say everything. Everything. Let us throw off the blame, the excuses, the complaining, the self-doubt, the fear, the worry. Let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. These weights that the writer was talking about was heavy and holding the individual down. Listen, there comes a time where we have to turn when... Into now. Today is the day of salvation. Why is it that we want to make change in our life? We wait till Monday. Why don't we make the change today? Why don't we look in the mirror and make that and not put everything off to Monday? We're going to start to diet. Monday, I'm going to the gym. Monday, I'm going to get up early. Monday, I'm going to start my devotions. Monday, I'm going to start my prayer discipline. No, no. How about we do it today? Number three. Be specific with what you need. So many times, so many believers are vague with God. And there's a false humility that we carry. And we'll tell God, well, Lord, you know my heart. Of course God knows your heart. But he wants you to open up your mouth when you pray. And he wants you to be specific. When we are specific with God, God is specific with us. Specific prayers... Get specific answers and specific results. Think about it. Look what Jesus said in Mark 10. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Some of us would have gone, Lord, you, you know, you've heard my heart. You've seen my mind. You know, you know all things. Jesus would have then kept on going. No, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What does your marriage need? What does your career need? What does your spiritual life need? Be specific with God. Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, teacher, Jesus. He said, I want to see. Could you imagine some of the negative influences around him? Here's what, here's, here's what some of these guys would have been doing. And gals, I don't think that's going to happen. Can you believe he just asked Jesus to, be, to see? That's impossible. You know there was naysayers gossiping in the corner, right? They, those kind of things don't happen in our church. Matter of fact, he interrupted our service just by raising his voice. Can you imagine some of the people talking? And then how about some of the guys? Man, 30 to 1 right now. I got $10. 
Come on. We're putting bets on whether this is going to happen or if he's going to change. And then there's other people going, people don't change. People are always the same. Don't you love those people in your life? They're real encouragers, aren't they? No matter what you can do, they're the expert of why you can't do it. While they sit on the recliner with the remote control. Hello. Mark eleven twenty two, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask, whatever you ask, what is your whatever? He said, then you believe you receive it and it will be yours. Jesus said, ask in Matthew 7, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. That word ask is so simple. You want or desire something for which you are willing to sacrifice. Asking helps us to bring clarity to our direction and our desires. Listen, God makes outrageous promises about what he will do when we simply ask. Write it down. I have my, my need. The things that I'm asking God, it is written in my journal. I write it out. I just don't voice it out. I write it out so God can hear me and see it. God, here it is. Right here. And I pray that. I ask specifically. Listen, God didn't ask you, tell you to ask him for what you need. If you look throughout the Gospels, he asked you for what you wanted. He said our needs are already provided for. So there's nothing wrong with your wants. It's okay to want something and to ask. Matter of fact, Jesus even used the word wish. What are you wishing for? What are you asking for? I love John 14. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever, whatever, whatever. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever is whatever. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do and the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you want to see great results in prayer, if you want to get unstuck in your life, then be specific about what you're going to ask God for, for what you want. And he will give you one prayer, one asking can change anything. One asking can change everything. What do you need? What is it? Write it down. If you're taking notes right now, write it down. If you got your phone handy or your iPad, type it in your phone. But be specific with God and he will be specific with the outcome for you. And then here's the fourth thing and I'm getting ready. This is my last point. The fourth thing is simply this. Once you've done the first three, Never neglect number four. Make a decision to always follow after Jesus. Don't leave him high and dry after he's done some great things in your life. Make a decision to follow Jesus. Look at Mark 10, 52. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And watch this. And follow Jesus along the road. He got what he wanted, and then he started to follow Jesus. Maybe there's somebody here today and you don't follow Jesus. Just not a part of your schedule and your life right now. 
And I guarantee you, if you're specific with him, when you ask him for something and he fulfills that, I want to encourage you, don't ignore him again. Just keep, just start following him. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. You know, that, that's, that's, that's been an exhaustive subject in the New Testament. What does it mean to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus? Deny yourself is this. It's really a developed behavior. It, and it's what we say yes to and it's what we say no to. So what, were you, what are you going to say yes to in your life? What are you going to say no to? He says we need to at some point put aside our selfish ambitions. Galatians said it like this. So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh uh, desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So what is your cross? Usually I found out my cross is the place of my greatest pain. It's my greatest place of my greatest suffering. So I want to encourage you this morning that you and I have to make a decision to follow Jesus, no matter what happens in our life. But I promise you, when you follow after Jesus, you can't be stuck. Churches who follow after Jesus can't be stuck in a religious rut. They progress with God. They move forward with God. Marriages who follow after Jesus are never dull. They always move forward and there's always, they're never just stuck. Your spiritual life is never stuck when you begin to follow Jesus. I love what Matthew 22 says. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested with him this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And usually we can do that. That's pretty easy. But then he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Think about it. You know, the people you want to punch in the throat. He wants you to love them. Right? People get on your nerves. You want you to love them. This is what it means to follow Christ. This is what it means to deny yourself. He says, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Following Jesus is so simple. It's simply three things. Loving God. Loving your enemies. Loving your neighbors. And there's actually four. And not condemning other people. Those are four simple things about what it really means to do. And how many of us mess that up? Don't follow after religion. Follow after Jesus. Because you never go wrong. It'll, it'll unstuck. He will unstuck your life. I want to pray for you this morning. And you may be stuck. You may be in a rut. It may be your relationship. It may be your marriage. It may be your career. It just may be your life in general. Maybe your mindset, your thoughts, you're stuck. You just keep on, like Phil Connors, reliving your life over and over and over again. Today, you have the opportunity to get unstuck.